Good afternoon. Any questions this afternoon? This evening. Yes. Raj, I was wondering, um, with Sri, Sri Shopanishad, um, a number of Gaudiya Acharyas have commented on Sri Shopanishad, the Bhakti Vinotakura, Sri Prabhupada, and I think Baladeva Jibhushana. And I was wondering if th- this is more as like reaching out to those who aren't coming under the line of Goswamis, or there's some significance for Gaudiya's with that Upanishad in particular? Well, it's a theistic. Uh, um, Upanishad, and um, it's also one of the more well-known Upanishads. So there are other theistic Upanishads that or, that are overtly theistic, like Gopal Tapani, for example, um, Nishinga Tapani, Ram Tapani. But um, I think Ishopanishad is generally um, more well-known more prominent, you have the historically the uh, influence of Shankar, who singled out I think ten Upanishads and called them the most important Upanishads, and that kind of s- s- uh, stuck or um, was um, has kind of been widely accepted. But as far as I know, there's no other reason to necessarily to think of them as such. Um, And then, besides the ten, there's a famous list of 108. And then there are many more, other than the 108. So, I'm not sure where Ishapanishad fits on the the list, but uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, it's not in the first ten, but it's within the the 108 in a more well-known Upanishad, and more prominent, and... um, um, maybe from an academic point of view, it's considered older than some of the the, the uh, later Upanishads, which, um, in some person's eyes, would would give it more um, more value and so forth. So, mm, this is just my opinion. Something I haven't thought about, other than you know tonight when you asked the question. Um, but um, yeah, perhaps if Gaudias are not, um, I wouldn't say well known for commenting on the commenting on the Upanishads. Um, typically, the commentaries on the sutras of Vyas, the sutras of Vyas, as I was saying the other night, are cryptic statements. That um, it's it's almost as if. Uh, the legendary Vyas compiled the sounds of the Upanishads and then took notes, cryptic wrote cryptic notes on their on their significance. So you got to look at his notebook and figure out what what is he talking about here. And so the uh, different uh, uh, charges. Um, Within Vedanta, there was, a, I, I guess, a time, and within Vedanta, that that what served to establish you and your perspective and and subsequent following as a uh, 
bona fide school of Vedanta was whether or not you sorted out the notes of Vyas with reference to the Upanishads that they're related to, as I'm saying, and shown in a sensible way what they mean or what they could reasonably be saying. There could be more than one reasonable explanation of what what they're saying. Hmm? You're looking at the notes. And and so you look at the notes, you look at the long hand of the, the Upanishads, and you make a commentary. And you say, this means this, and this is the reference from the Upanishads. So the commentaries will be full of references to the Upanishads because uh, Svetashvatar Upanishad says this because the uh, and so forth. That Upanishad says that, and this means this here, and and so forth. So, different schools of Vedanta have established themselves, to a large extent, based on such commentaries, hmm? commentaries on, explanations on, showing the the the, the uh, making sense out of out of revelation, hmm? and um, and particularly through dealing with the notes of Vyas. Now, as I say. Um, the Gaudiya tradition is not um, 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 has taken a different approach to the matter, and in a in a in a, in a very um, prominent uh, sense, that different approach has been not to. Uh, see any need to comment on the sutras or the notes of Vyas because as Jiva Goswami sorted out the Garuda Purana Vaishnava Purana uh, Sattvic Purana has said that uh, what is the verse? Artanam Brahma Sutranam Artoyam Brahma Sutranam Tutranam that as in speaking about the Bhagavatam, among other things, glorifying the Bhagavatam, that it is a commentary on the sutras, Artoyam Brahma Sutranam. The Brahma Sutras, or the Vedanta Sutras, two different names for the same text, are explained by the Bhagavatam, which begins with the same line, first line, um, for, or the first line of the Bhagavatam Atato Brahma Jignasu is the first note or sutra of Vyas and so on. So, um, uh, given that the notes from the Gaudiya perspective following the Guru Purana hmm, have already been explained by Vyas in longhand in the form of Srimad Bhagavatam, which is from the Gaudi perspective and, and a, well, a well-reasoned perspective as it is, that text, the Bhagavatam, that's written in the maturity of, of, of Vyas at its point of mature, maturity after compiling so many other literatures, as the text itself explains, under the influence of Narada, hmm, it takes things to a new level, right? Hmm, and emphasizes in no uncertain terms the efficacy of bhakti, really. So, given that, the uh, Gaudiya Sampradaya is not, is kind of, a, it takes, it makes a departure from the standard 
that I um, uh, explained um, was uh, the standard or the norm previously. He has to have a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. Well, we already have a commentary. It's the Bhagavatam. So we don't need to make a commentary. It's hmm. basically the idea. So, I mean, we do take a couple statements from the Upanishads here and there. Um, and, and But not like Ramanujo or Madhva or, uh, or Shankar in the same 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 way. Um, later, of course, in the tradition, much later, uh, from the time of the founding of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, Baladevi Bhusan did write a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra, as the need, in his estimation, arose, and in his preface to the text, he explains that really there's no need for a commentary because the Bhagavatam is a natural commentary, but the situation has arisen, so on. I'm writing, that's called the Govinda Bhasha. Govinda Speaks. It's written apparently in, in, uh, in Jaipur or under the influence of Govinda, Radha Govinda, uh, the uh, deities of Rupa Goswami who had been moved from Jaipur when the Muslims invaded Vrindavan. So it's a long story how that came to pass, but... Um, but up until Baladev Bidyabhushana, I don't know of any Gaudiya commentaries on the Upanishads. Hmm. On any Upanishads. Well, I, I, should, I, should, I should hold hold back there. There are commentaries on Gopal Tapani Upanishad. So, uh, uh, and it's still muddled as to whose who, who's commentaries, whose, or if there's one or two, or... Um, Prabodhananda Saraswati Jeeva Goswami, it's, it's apparently hard to tell from manuscripts. But that, of course, is an Upanishad that is very Gaudiya because it, the, the main Sampradaya mantra, Diksha mantra, the Gopal mantra, is found in that Upanishad and explained in that Upanishad. So we do, they, do, they did take that out, but not with the same kind of idea in mind of establishing the Sampradaya based on the Upanishads and and so forth. It was previously how the debate kind of went. Hmm? Um, so it's, it was not typical, I would say. Uh, I don't know of any other Upanishad that there's a Gaudiya commentary on prior to Baladeva Bajibhushan, who does uh, in, obviously invoke the Upanishads in his Guindavasha commentary. He also invokes the Bhagavatam and some other texts and so forth, the Gita and whatnot. But um, there you're going to find probably, well, the closest thing to what was the previous uh, tradition, commentary on Vedanta Sutra, citing the Upanishads. And so you have an, a, a Gaudi Acharya there, Baladeva Bhusan, who for uh, reasons of the time saw the necessity to do that, and he was a scholar, and he was also from the Madhva tradition previously, and so forth. So he saw the wisdom or he of to, for doing or had the inspiration to write a commentary on um, Isopanishad. Hmm. I don't know if there's anybody prior to him in a Gaudiya Sampradaya that wrote one. So that's a much later um, edition. 
And given that Baldevidyabhushan wrote a commentary on the Isopanishad, it's um, understandable that Bhakti Manod might have, and subsequently that uh, my Guru Marsh might have, and of course he, he did. Um, um, Bhakti Vinod Thakur was, in his time, dealing, among other things, with um, a an argument within the Sampradaya as to um, whether or not Baladev himself was um, whether excuse me whether the Gaudiya Sampradaya was connected to the Madhva Sampradaya, or whether it was an independent Sampradaya. Hmm. Sometimes we say Brahma, Madhva, Gaudiya Sampradaya. Well, some Gaudiya say Gaudiya Sampradaya. We have nothing to do with the Madhvas. Um, but there's a there's an old statement, or a scriptural statement, that was out and about, and apparently prominent to some extent at the time, I think it was attributed to the Padma Purana, uh, but my understanding is that in in manuscripts available today, you can't find this verse. But the verse is still well known amongst Godias. Um and I guess the argument is someone made it up, or it came from a, a manuscript that's not available now. And the, the, the gist of it is what if you don't get your mantra from Sampradaya it won't bear fruit Sampradaya means this community defined by its articulation of a particular metaphysic worldview a theistic perspective on revelation and there are different views on it and that's okay there are different as we know uh uh, possibilities uh, in terms of penetration into transcendence. Mukti is a variegated experience, so there can be different angles of vision, right? Um, we, as an aside here, we we are fine with the different commentaries and the different destinations that they they posit, other than Shankar's, because we feel that Shankar has added something into the um, uh, Upanishads or into the Brahma Sutras that more or less, well, in the language of Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami, um, um, implies that Vyas, wait, this, excuse me, Shankar's opinion is that Vyas, Vyas is uh, crazy. Vyas Branta. Vyas didn't know what he was talking about. This is how. how Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami speaks about Vyas with regard to Shankar, excuse me, Shankar, with regard to how Shankar has misrepresented how how, how Shankar has misrepresented Vyas and the sutras by positing two tiers of Brahman, the Nirguna Brahman and the Saguna Brahman. This is this is this is a crucial point of Shankar's. It comes, I think, maybe in in, in the first part of the or the first adhyaya, the first adhyaya, first part of the first chapter, the first subdivision of Vedanta Sutra, maybe ninth or nineteenth 
verse I can, of Brahma Sutra, I forget. But there he slips it in, this idea, which, which, is, which turns everything around. In other words, in the scriptures, there's many, for example, statements as to the eternality of the form of Bhagwan and, uh, uh, and so forth. Many statements like that. Well, he turns them all around and he says, those should all be understood indirectly. And the statements about, which are few, God is near Guna, without qualities, uh, uh, um, without form, those, those should be understood in a secondary way. Guna Vritti, Mukhi Vritti. How you will understand him in a secondary way. That he says, God has no form. To understand in the secondary way means, well, that doesn't make sense because primarily, the primary in Mukhya the statement that God has an eternal form. So, and those those kind of statements are prominent. So, statements to the to the contrary, we can't do away with them, but we can't take them literally. So, we have to take them in an indirect way, Gonabritti, and therefore we take them how? God has no form means God has no material form. Hmm? God is near Guna. Has no in 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 the in one sense of the term, he has no qualities. Means he has no material qualities. Hmm? I give an example. Before one of my students once went home to visit his father, and his father said, "You know, if you're hungry, just open the fridge. Just there's all kinds of food there. You know, we can take whatever you want." So he came in to the kitchen and he was preparing himself a a sandwich with uh, lettuce and cheese and avocado or something like that. And father came and started, said, aren't you going to put anything on it? Because, you know, it's typical in the United States that you eat meat. Meat is the main thing. And there was meat in the refrigerator. But from his son's point of view, there was no food. That, that wasn't food. Hmm. But, there, but it's there, but it's not. So anyway, this is an example. So... Um, so that is a more straightforward way of understanding these statements um, that are the, the, a minority of statements that equate um, another example, uh, Atma with Brahman, mm-hmm. and those that speak about the difference. Well, we accept that there's a oneness, but not an absolute radical oneness that there's no difference whatsoever. We are Brahman. No. So anyway, Vyas inserted this idea of two tiers of Brahman, which means in the Paramartic ultimate reality, God is formless. And then in this world, there is a sattvic manifestation of the, of the Ishwar for worship as a provisional method. You worship, and then if you have to, and then you do away with the, the deity and the worship and the difference between yourself and Brahman, which is an illusion. And so so. So the Godias, they don't like this idea at all. And they don't, they don't acknowledge that the ideal of Brahma, of, of, of Brahma Suja, as it's described by Shankar, has any real standing. Hmm? Because there is an individual jiva, Tatasta jiva. The teaching in Advaita Vedanta is there is no individual jiva. Just like the body is an illusion, the mind is the atma, the individuality of the atma is an illusion also gives an example. If you take a clay pot and you catch some air in it, it's only an individual 
breath of air or whatever until you break the pot. So the individuality of the jiva is also an illusion. So that's really, there's only Brahman. So these are some of the you know main themes of Shankar. And um, what he did, again, was that he posited this two tiers of Brahman, which Vyasa doesn't say anything about. So it's like you're adding something in here that's not there. And so for that reason, it, we, we accept there is something called Brahma Sayuja, but we look at it differently. This is explained in, in the Sandarbhas of Jiva Goswami. Hmm. So, at any rate, um, uh, we have our own, you know, commentary. Um, uh, what, I, what I was saying is that at the time of Bhakti Vinod, um, I'm not sure how we got into Shankar, but at the time of Bhakti Vinod, um, there was some um, ongoing kind of debate whether the Sampradaya of the Gaudias was connected to Madhva and his Sampradaya, or it was an independent one. And this statement of the attributed to the Padma Purana, that if you don't get your mantra from a bona fide Sampradaya, it's not going to bear any fruit, speaks of four Sampradayas, Shankar's being the fifth that's not included. So, you know, Padma Purana is a very theistic uh, Sattvic Purana. So you have, and then it, I think it lists the sampradayas, the Shiva sampradaya, Rudra sampradaya, the Shri sampradaya, Lakshmi, the uh, Nimbark sampradaya, and the uh, Brahma sampradaya. So then the, these are the mytho-historic founders, and then in historical time itself, corresponding with the the Rudra or Shiva sampradaya is Nimbarka and the Nimbark sampradaya which is a Ragmark Sampradaya, in the corresponding... Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Vishnu Swami, Vishnu Swami, uh, Rudra Vishnu Swami, um, and his uh, form of Vedanta is called Shuddhadvaita. The modern representation of that is the Balaba Sampradaya, who was, Balaba was a contemporary of Mahaprabhu, so that's Ragmark Sampradaya. Then you have the, the Sri Sampradaya, Lakshmi, and the the person to articulate that in historical time, the, the metaphysic or the interpretation of the scriptures uh, support the, uh, you know, from, what, from the Lakshmi perspective or whatever is um, Ramanuja. And then you have the, uh, the Kumar Sampradaya and the historical, in historical time you have Nimbarka and that's the, the um, uh, what is it called? The Nimbarka Sampradaya. Nimbarka. Yeah, from the Kumaras to Nimbarka and the Nimbarka Sampradaya. And then you have, you have the Brahma Sampradaya and Madhva hmm? in historical times. So those are the four, right? So this is a statement that um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur was um, convinced was a scriptural statement. And therefore, he was very concerned that the Gaudias would be seen as connected to one of these four Sampradayas. Otherwise, scriptural conclusion would be that the mantras received from them would not bear fruit. So uh, he sided with those who saw the Gaudiya Sampradaya to be connected to the Madhva Sampradaya, even though there are some different uh, points of philosophy. Hmm? Um, formally speaking, he made a connection between the Acharyas. So, for example, uh, there's the there's been a tendency in Gaudiya Vaishnavism to connect Madhavendra Puri 
with the Madhva Sampradaya, who initiated Ishvarapuri, who initiated Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then you have the, now the Chaitanya, you know, branch of the Madhva Sampradaya. So we call it the Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. And at, at this point in the in the in the Brahma Madhva Sampradaya, some new light is given, new insights and so forth. Notably, of course, Brahma received the Gopal mantra from Krishna. That's our mantra. Hmm? I'm not so sure that Brahma received, or Madhva received it from from anybody, or the, uh, to the extent to which they employ it. But it's the prominent mantra for for the Gaudiya Sampradaya. We, I could make a strong argument that we're more connected to Brahma than Madhva. You see, the idea that Madhva is connected to to Brahma is totally something you can only accept on the basis of faith, because the argument is that Madhva was actually initiated as an Advaitin. That's historically a fact. Hmm? But his teaching is entirely different from the Advaitins. Obviously, Dvaita is pretty different than Advaita. <laughs> it's the opposite, right? Dvaitavad. So he's a staunch opponent of the Advaitin philosophy, although he's initiated by an Advaitin. But the, the idea is that some light came in him, or that he was a himself a mytho-historic person appearing in the historical time. Hmm? And um, and he wrote his commentary, and then he went into the Himalayas and met Vyas, who's up there somewhere, if you can find him. And Vyas approved, and then he came back down. I mean, you can only believe that if you want to believe that. So the Madhva Sampradaya believes that, okay? An article of faith, and by which they say, you know, they are the representative. That we could make a strong argument that we're connect, we're the, it's the Brahma Gaudiya Sampradaya, but we're, we're generous to say it's the Brahma Madhva Gaudiya. Anyway, Bhaktivinoda took that position, Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. And, um, and so, um, you, and, and you have, just, just prior to him, not, not too far back, this Baladev Vidyabhushan in his commentary, and in his commentary, he lists this, the Madhva chain of, Parampara coming to the Gaudias, and um, so Bhaktivinoda accepted that as well. You can also find that in Kavikarnapur's work much earlier in Gaudiya Sampradaya, connecting the Sampradaya. But people argue whether that's a triplet. Uh, some people want to just say hey, this is Gaudiya Sampradaya. That's a, that's a verse from the Padma Purana. We don't care about it. We don't even know if it's part of the Padma Purana, so forth. But but at the time, anyway, this was important to Bhaktivinoda. Hmm? And um, and and so also then the more modern connection between Madhva and Baladev, Vijabhusan, becoming a Gaudiya, that was more um, uh, significant or significant in in the, in the mind of Bhakti Vinod. And Baladev wrote a commentary on the Isopanishad, so it's not uh, surprising. Did you say Bhaktivinoda wrote a commentary on Isapanishad? And of course, Prabhupada himself, my Guru Maharaj, um, he dedicated his own Bhagavad Gita commentary to Balde Bhajabhusan. Hmm? Shame, shame. Imagine if I dedicated my commentary to someone other than Prabhupada. What they would say about me. But um, this is a very, you know neophyte kind of reaction that you might expect in some quarters. But Prabhupada dedicated his Bhagavad Gita commentary to Baladev Bhajabhushana. Hmm. 
Baldibaj Bhushan wrote a commentary on the Gita uh, following the lead of Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur, who did as well. Those are the earliest commentaries from Gaudi Sampradaya on the Gita Upanishad, Bhagavad Gita, that we, that we have. Hmm? And so Baladev was a very prominent uh, author and scholar and uh, Acharya and so forth. Um, so in more modern times, um, he also with Bhaktivinoda Thakur interfacing with the modern world and so forth, and um, the you know you have a, a fledgling Gaudiya Sampradaya that started 400 years prior to Bhaktivinoda, and then evam parampara praptam imam rajasya yogi sakalinam hata yoga nashta parantapa. We said this verse the other day. That it's a problem in the sampradaya, right? It's 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 its currency, its power, its vitality was lacking by the influence of time. And so Krishna, as he says in the Gita, he did something about it. What did he do? He bhaktivinoded. <laughs> he made bhaktivinoda the first Western convert, as they sometimes describe him, to, uh, to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And a prominent, prominent charya wrote so many books and excavated the leelas, Places of of Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Navadweep and so on, and 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 given the kind of the tenderness or newness of the sampradaya, the Gaudi sampradaya, and the need to, in Bhaktivinoda's mind, to give it more credibility in you know in, in modern times, he may have reasoned, you know, let's go take some you know here Baladev is shown this example. Let's comment on the. Isu Upanishad, because this is an Upanishad that's more prominently accepted and, and known and, and commented on, so it will give us more. It's a common. It's a, it's a it's a point of commonality that we can make a connection with, which will. This was Bhaktivinoda Thakur's attempt to bring Gaudiya Vaishnavism on the stage of the other world religions, be it Advaita Vedanta, be it Christianity, or whatever they were. It wasn't Gaudiya Vaishnavism. They weren't on the stage. He wanted to bring them on the stage and then get them on the stage by making con- points of co- connection, common common ground, finding common ground. This is what, what he very much was part of his strategy. And then get on the stage and then let Gaudiya Vaishnavism speak for, it, for itself. It's a, such a sweet and charming idea. But you got to get on the stage first. So you can find him in ways that no one else did, reaching out and finding common ground. And so commenting on the Isopanishad may have been, it's understandable that, that that may have been part of, made sense to him to do that. And my Guru Maharaj as well. Isopanishad is a prominent Upanishad. I mean, nobody knows what these Upanishads are in America or South America or Central America or Europe these days. It's, But... Um, in, in times gone by, in India, of course, they were much more prominent, and um, and so you know, if someone's from the West is going to look to India, they're going to see that. And then if you've got your commentary on Isopanishad, well, you know, uh, maybe from an academic point of view, you're going to get some more recognition or something. So um, it's the God Upanishad. Hmm. So there's the you know there's the there's the the Shringatapani, the Gopal Tapani. This topony, that topony, but here's this, this one's the God Upanishad. So it's more, more, more general, 
but wholly you know, theistic would be the idea. So I think that's why they we've seen a couple of more recent uh, commentaries on Isopanishad that help. Isopanishad, Gijai. Taitari Upanishad. Anandavali. Well, it's one of yeah, it's it's one of the examples of which there are few that I, as I mentioned, of earlier Gaudias referring to the Upanishads, pulling one out here or there. I mean, comparatively, you have the statement of in Bhakti Sandarbha, I believe, of Jiva Goswami. He says, Shrotram api upanishadam dure harikatamritam. Kampashu palakade. He says, dure harikatamritam. Shrotram api upanishadam. The sounds of the Upanishads, where you can go, if you listen to a sound and you follow it, you're going to end up somewhere, right? So if you listen to the sounds of the Upanishads, where you will end up is very far from where you will end up. Dure means very far. Where you will end up from the sound of Harikata. Hmm? There, he says, you will find Kampashu, Pulakada, and so forth. Sattvic, eightfold Sattvic above. So it means a world of ecstasy. Hmm? Where there's movement, rasa, love, ananda, to the extreme, and so forth. So the Upanishads are shedding light in a in a very kind of dim way. Hmm? Got to start somewhere, right? Hmm? Locating in this world that which is most like the absolute, which is the jiva, and saying, you know, you and the, you have something in common with <laughs> with the world of light, with Brahman. Hmm? He has examples given if you're living in a cave, two guys, they've never seen sunlight. One guy happens to get out and see the sun, and then he comes back in and tries to explain what it is to someone who's lived his whole life in darkness. How can he even say anything about it? Where do you where do you even begin? There's, if you want to explain something, to find something, you need some comparison. There's nothing within darkness that compares to light. And you know he saw the sun. It means he saw clouds. He saw rain. He saw vegetation. He saw you know uh, everything that comes from the sun. The whole uh, none of which is in the cave. Hmm. So troubled in the effort to explain, he managed to crack a little hole in the cave, and a ray of sunlight came through. That's a Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, Bhanashad is something like that, for the most part. Some, of course, are shedding more light, like Gopal Tapni and so forth, but so-called principle of Bhanashads, maybe. That's just a, so, um, um, so uh, there are a couple of Upanishadic statements that the Gaudias tend to cite. There's not a lot of them. There's a handful of them. Nityo nityanam chetanas chetananam eko 
Bahunam, Vidadati Kaman, so, uh, you know, that one. And uh, um, what is the other one? Uh, these kind of statements. Um, um, what's the one about Shakti? Prasya Shakti, Vividai Vishu Yute. So, you know, they went through and they, they picked out some some good ones. <laughs> and that's one. It comes in the Anandavali of the Taitareya Upanishad. Well, it means chapter, the chapter about bliss. Hmm. And um, it ultimately, uh, I think it gives a comparison of a bird. There's a bird. Oh, I can't go into it. I can't remember it all. But um, And um, anyway, it concludes... With the uh, with the statement Raso Vaisa and he Brahman is Rasa, and by knowing Rasa you can it goes on to say you can taste Rasa something like that. So uh, given Rupa Goswami's theory, Rasa theory or his Rasa uh, aesthetic approach to explaining the significance of revelation, hmm, this is just a real. Real nice statement. Now, you know, people argue. I once had an academic person in Poland argue that, you know, you're referring to an Upanishad that um, predates Bharat's Muni's theory on rasa. How can they be connected? Do you understand? Bharat, Muni expounded the theory of. Indian aesthetics, original, and in the theory of rasa being that rasa being the soul of poetry, uh, and so forth, and that was much later. The Upanishad was much earlier. How can you connect the two? Well, it's very easy. <laughs> Here's a, a bunch of books you're going to read about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, our whole sampradaya is based on such a such an idea, um, but. Um, you know, they, I mean, um, uh, yeah, you know, the larger emphasis is Dure Harikatame. They're very far from Hari. Where you can get by those is very far from Harikata. So there's a little, get a little further with that statement from the Upanishads, but what does it mean? And so, well, by Harikata, you can, you can experience it all and so forth. So, um, so again, the overriding tendency is, has been not to cite the Upanishads or have to go there. We got the Bhagavatam. Why bother with that? It's the full face, and it's written in a much more uh, user-friendly way and uh, sweet, charming, and so on and so forth. It is, it is rasa itself. So it is the rasa that the, that the Upanishad is you know, just obliquely, obliquely, or just speaking about, you know, in a faint voice. But they go in there and take that one, you know. And and uh, in that way, uh, you know, it's kind of like unnecessary. The Bhagavatam itself describes itself as Shruti Saram Ekam. Saram means scream, it means essence. So, that which rises to the top of its own. Hmm? You just put the books out there. Hmm? The Bhagavatam will rise to the top like cream. You don't have to make a case for it. Just let people objectively. Okay, here, read the read the uh, 
Shaitashvatar Upanishad and read the Bhagavatam. Or, or any other Purana. There's, no, there's really no comparison. It is really, really just in so many practical ways, the Bhagavatam is in its language, in its, the complexity of its philosophy and the, theology. It's, very, it's entirely different than any other Purana. And in uh, its charm, it's, you know, with this whole tenth canto about the Leela of Krishna and such, being that they're being the center and going into such detail and um, and with such feeling, there's just nothing like it. So, and it says, Shruti Saramikam, it is the cream of the Shruti. So, if you got the cream, who needs milk? <laughs> you can take a couple of mouthfuls of cream and you satisfy, you take a whole quart of milk. You got the same. Uh, something close to the same experience. So, um, you know, the cream is what makes the milk worth worth drinking, so to speak. So, how much butter fat is there? Uh, it used it used to be years ago, even when, um, probably a little before my time. But when in my when I was young, then um, the milkmen used to come around and deliver milk to the houses, and. Um, and uh, it was a, as an aside, but we used to my myself, my 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 brother, a couple other kids. We lived in a neighborhood that was only a few houses, and it was rural at the time. It's all built up now, but um, we would chase the milkman, and he had a his truck had like a kind of a step on the back, so we would jump on the step, and then we'd ride, you know, on the back. So you know that was not good for him to have kids ride on the back. So they, so he would, we would chase him, and if he if we if we caught him, and jumped on, then after a short period he'd stop, and we would win a, a bottle. He'd give us a quart of chocolate milk or strawberry milk, and we'd do that all summer long, and then we'd take it into the woods and by the river and drink it. <laughs> Bowman's milk, it was called, uh, but <laughs> but. Um, you know, they used to bring the milk, and there were different um, dairies, right? And so the ladies of the house would look, this was before homogenization, 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 one of the, I think the main reason for homogenization was so that you couldn't tell whose dairy had more cream. Because if you don't homogenize the milk, then the cream will come to the top. So the ladies would look and say, Bowman's has got more cream, you know, then this other company, then we were going to switch over and get from, so that level the playing field. They created homogenization. <laughs> yeah, that's at least one angle on it. So, um, so anyway, so if you got the cream, what's the need for the milk? So the Bhagavatam itself says it. But you know, yes, here and there, they've pulled a couple of statements out from the Upanishads and the Gita. Sometimes called the Gita Upanishad. There are some verses in the in the Gita that are also found. That um, verbatim in, in in some Upanishads as well. Um, so I don't know much more to say about that uh, that uh, um, statement from the Upanishads than you know what I have. But Rasovaya Saha, yeah, it's a famous one that the Gaudis have cited. It just speaks to like the extent to which they went through all these texts, and they just there's one. I'll take that. And they took the time to, I mean. It's it's incredible to think about that they would go through all these Upanishads and then 
for you, for us, for the people out of compassion, they did this academic exercise. And the people at the time, of course, were believing that was the standard of knowledge, this text, so they went to them in such a comprehensive way and drew from them and pointed out the efficacy of bhakti and they... Um, located the ecstasy of Mahaprabhu, so to speak, on the scriptural scriptural map. Mm-hmm. Said, "This is has to be Krishna, and he's Radha and Krishna, and he's more Radha than he is Krishna." Mm-hmm. What else? What's the time? Oh, it's early still. Yes. Much uh, description about um, creation in Bhagavatam first chapter eleven, and uh, when it comes to creation of uh, senses and mind, it comes kind of like before living entities come, and it sounds like it's very very moist. So that it's like one layer of senses and mind and false ego. Uh-huh. So um, I was wondering, I mean, it sounds modest when one reads it, um, whether it's possible that there is this kind of like one layer of matter that uh, jivas take on and that's like the first uh, experience of people who were like shamanic or were doing some kind of like some visions uh, that that was their first experience oh everything is one and that how Advaita came to exist I don't know they kind of made it like further that okay if material world is like that that means spiritual world is like that as well well that's not how Advaita Vedanta came about uh, that's uh, explained in the Puranas that Vishnu empowered Shiva to appear and explain the scriptures in that way. At least that's what the, the, the scriptural point of view is. Um, and um, I think that um, comparatively, of course, uh, Dwayta Vedanta is a very sophisticated philosophy compared to shamanistic, um, kind of earth-based um pagan, if you will, mysticism, uh, spirituality, animism, and so forth. Um, so it's, it's very more, much more sophisticated, philosophically speaking, so I wouldn't connect the two. Um, one thing that you mentioned was that these different layers and uh, ultimately aspects of material nature appear before the people do, but the, the, it's described in the texts that the material nature is in a in a kind of a um, repose, hmm, in resting, and only by the by the proverbial or poetic glance of Vishnu, which means the touch of consciousness to matter, does it stir the pot. Hmm. So and then these things started coming out, hmm? ankar, buddhi, hmm? chitta, 
uh, manas, senses, um, the mind, then well, manas, the senses, the sense objects, and so forth. So the, the, the material nature um, has its uh, ingredients, and in the beginning they're in kind of a in a state of repose or collapsed, hmm, resting, undifferentiated, pradhan, but all this is inside and by the touch of the consciousness it starts to starts to come out and it's it's consciousness driven. Hmm? Um, and so the different bodies form and so forth. So it's it's really not um yep matter is separate from the jiva, but it doesn't have any creative its cre- its creative power is unleashed by the touch of consciousness, something like that. I don't know. If that's answering anything to your question, but but um, that's um, the Sankhya philosophy. Basically, although there are different versions of it in the Bhagavatam itself, nuanced versions of what are the ingredients, what are the elements. There are the twenty-four. You can describe it as less by collapsing some elements into other elements. At the end of the, I think in the eleventh or the twelfth canto, Krishna says, "Yeah, there's different versions of it, but you know." You and explain it in different ways. But the big difference between the Sankhya philosophy as a philosophy, which we were discussing a little bit, talking about a little bit last night, and the Bhagavat Sankhya philosophy is that in the Bhagavat that um, material nature requires God for it to have, for its creative power to be un- unleashed and for it to proceed and so on and so forth. So it's a theistic form of Sankhya. So there has to be God, there have to be jivas for matter to do its do what it does. It's not independent that all of a sudden hunkar and booty are manifesting and so forth. It's consciousness driven. There's a, there's a kind of an unfolding. And it's and it's unfolding in a particular way relative to the karma of the jiva. And arresting him and facilitating him or her same time, arresting to proceed with the karma that was dormant, and facilitating by way of giving opportunity to, to by having a body, to be, come in touch with the current of bhakti that's also in the world from a time without beginning. There's always bhakti in the world. There's always devotees, and there's always the force of karma, which is. Uh, more prominent. I suppose at times the force of bhakti becomes more prominent and a, and the universe can get liberated, but what's that? We heard about that. Walk like one hair on your head and you know, is lost. So it'll never end. you got to tell that to the bodhisattvas. They're in for a long haul. <laughs> Anything else? Yes. You were mentioning, <coughs> you were mentioning before that at his time Bhaktivinoda was dealing a little bit with this situation that Gaudiya Sampradaya was like Stan's position was put into question regarding its connection with Magba or whatever. Nowadays, in different sense, some some of this is there in the sense of some people are 
questioning the validity of Purya Sampradaya regarding this principle of Diksha Parampara, Siksha Parampara. So, and some, other, some people are like putting into doubt this idea of there's no legitimate Diksha Parampara, no one knows which is the Diksha Parampara, Bhogeshwara's Bhavaji, and these type of things. I'm criticizing this conception of Siksha Parampara. So I was thinking if you would like to share some brief words for some devotees who may not be fully acquainted with that, but eventually may receive someone accusing them of not having proper parampara Yeah, that's a related but different discussion. It's 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 one that's um, um, pertinent or pertains to the our particular paribar, not the Gaudiya Sampradaya. So they accept that the Gaudiya Sampradaya is it's bona fide, whatever, and and they're members, I suppose, and they're probably members through our paribar. And then they turn around and say our paribar is 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 not not bona fide, um, not such good reasoning. That's where they got their faith, and that's the beginning of their bhakti. So there's enough bhakti apparently in our paribar to uh, create faith. In in uh, in people, if then, um, because let us say, perhaps because of some maybe misrepresentation in the sampradaya, in our party bar by somebody, one reason, someone may go elsewhere. Hmm? Um, then, if they turn and criticize our party bar by way of saying, you know, we, we we're not a we're not really a bona fide lineage. Uh, you know, this is not a very good. Um, it's not a very good argument, and it's not proper innovation of um, conduct. Um, but it's it's um, it's also a not well thought out, well reasoned reaction to the critique of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur of Gaudiya, the state and the condition of Gaudiya Sampradaya in his time. Hmm? Um, and, um, you know, he had some strong words, critiqued his own tradition. He critiqued his own mission, his own institution, even, Gaudiya Mant. Hmm? Uh, even after he labored to, you know, Established the Bog Bazaar Moth and so forth. He was prepared to sell it all, the print books and so forth. So he was a pretty even handed in his critique. He wasn't afraid to criticize, criticize the Sampradaya or even his own mission. Um, so he had very good character. Um, but um, not everybody appreciated his his um, criticisms or understood his innovations as well. It takes a, uh, a lot of realization to be as innovative as um, he was and um, and follow as he did the, the lead and the, the, the request, the desire of Bhaktivinoda Thakur to you know, spread this around the world and really fulfill the prophecy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that his name would be heard in every town and village, which is what you know, has happened through our party bar. It's pretty hard to deny that that happened, that, that we fulfilled that prophecy of Bhakti Vinod. I was very fortunate to be one of the persons who um, 
lived out the prediction of Bhakti Bhano that there will come a day when people from all over the world will come to Mayapur and chant on the one road in Mayapur, Jai Satchinandan, Jai Satchinandan, Jai Satchinandan. And I was there with Germans and and Latin Americans and uh, Europeans and Americans and so forth. Imagine what that was like. And Bengali ladies were coming out in front of the Sankirtan, husbands sweeping the street, a lady pouring water, putting a plate of sweets, offering it to the Sankirtan party. Hmm. You know, we got close to them and they would pick it up and hmm. honored and so forth. It was quite an extraordinary event. So, um, and from this, of course, a whole international community of Gaudiya Vaishnavas spawned and so forth. Um, there's a there's a particular emphasis in our sampradaya for interfacing with the modern world, for being essential rather than being in our perspective and really being able to identify principles and distinguish them from details and so forth. It's, just, it's, it's really... Um, Very central to this, the, the spirit of our paribar. So it's very painful when we see that within the paribar of, of our own that people are misidentifying details with principles. You know, they're not really in a dynamic, living sense, really carrying on the the vision of Bhakti Vinod Thakur and so forth. So, uh, but you know, he had that vision, and Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur was asked to to give it shape, and he did in the form of Gaudiya Math and. And my Guru Maharaj's disciple took it around the world and so forth, so it fulfilled the prediction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That's uh, quite extraordinary, but, okay, in the context of doing that broad campaign, then um, um, the focus being on dissemination, there may be some compromise or lack in terms of going uh, deeper. Hmm? And meanwhile, you may have other party bars who are more were had been around longer, had had for had been living in the doms and spoke the languages, Bengali at least, and that all the books are in and so forth, and maybe more familiar with them. Um, some teachers and and, and and it was their focus and. Um, and so forth. So there might be some some compromise in the ability of the uh, our acharyas to do both, so to speak, in, with a, with a, being driven like Prabhupada, empowered by Nityananda Prabhu for a broad campaign. It's hard to go deep at the same time and go broad. I mean, he did a pretty good job, but at times he himself said, "We've got enough people now, enough devotees. We should boil the milk." He said this in 1975. Hmm. So, you know, he had a sense about that, that it should come to that, it should come to that, and so forth. When we met, when he passed from the world, the more or less Gurmarsh, Pujapachita Marsh, he told us, you know, now he should, you know, he didn't use the same term, but he meant the same thing, boil the milk. That was his suggestion. Some of us did that, and it's, you know, it was, it was the right, uh, right thing to do. Um, but... Uh, not everybody, and some just went on spreading and spreading, and and you know, okay, Prabhupada was spreading it wide, right? But he was printing three hundred page book from the Bhagavatam every month too, 
And so, and he wanted he wanted this dynamic press, right? The Bhaktivedanta Book Trust that would be constantly bringing out state of the art texts in terms of Western standards of composition and and uh, and publishing and uh, and accurate Siddhanta and um, you know he wanted to do another Gita edition himself and come in and all the entire Bhagavatam and come out with other other texts and so forth and he he wanted his obviously his his students to be able to they were participating in that some of them were Sanskritists some of them New Bengali some of them were artists some of them were editors and so there was a whole dynamic uh, division within ISKCON the society of a book publishing arm I liken it to the Bade and Abade the, the Bade being difference different of expression through different temples and emphasis on preaching in different ways and and so forth and then the abade singular philosophy and siddhanta so he had this this kind of dynamic um and so there you know he he had both in mind depth and and breadth but you know you can only do so much and then it's time for the your kids take over, so forth. But if the kids remain kids, then <laughs> that uh, doesn't work out so well, you know. If they just keep selling only his books, because I can't write books, because I'm nobody, you know. Well, that kind of false humility doesn't doesn't help too much. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, comparatively, book trust is is is, is nowhere near as, as dynamic and prolific. I mean, as I said, we were getting a 400-page book every month. That was a lot to deal with. And then the lectures, will keep up. I was up to date. I read every book and listened to every lecture, you know, as they came out. But that was, if you did that, and then you preach too, well, you know, you see the results. At least that's how I turned out. It worked out pretty good for me. Um, so um, that's what I thought you were supposed to be doing, you know, read the book, listen to the tape. You know, explain it to others. I used to, I used to drive out. We had a little car. It was a Toyota station wagon, a little small station wagon. That was Prabhupada's car when he came, and um, so they gave it to me to, after all the Sankirtan parties went out in Los Angeles, and I drove to the airport, which I had to go in disguise, in secular clothes, because it was illegal to sneak around. So then I would, and I would um, listen to a lecture of Prabhupada on on the way, and I would memorize the whole lecture. I would repeat it to myself the whole lecture on the way back. So that's what I was like. And I was a student in those days. I'm still a student, obviously. But um, anyways, I'm just saying he had it. He had it, something set up for there to be depth and breadth if you took advantage of it. But um, you know, it hasn't. Um, it, um, I, his own institution you know, hasn't developed that way. I don't believe in terms of depth. It's one of the reasons that I. And I uh, took shelter at Pujapatrita Marsh for depth and and uh, and so forth. So others may do that as well. But then in doing that, um, if they turn around and bring up these old, stale arguments from a hundred years ago that were basically um, criticisms of Bhakti Siddhanta that were rajasic hmm? rajasic criticisms 
of his sattvic or or transcendent even criticisms. Hmm? His criticisms were, what do you call them? Um, hmm? Constructive criticism. Constructive criticism. And separating spiritual essence that from the from the form and so forth and and so you know what were the arguments then that were you know there out and about but had no voice they had no they couldn't get the microphone they were grumbling well you know what what lineage are they in you know what, what tilak do they have you know. Every every lineage has this particular tilak, the Naritam Paribar, the Jananda Paribar, the Adwaita Paribar. Hmm. Who you know, did he get a Diksha Patra, a letter in the Diksha when he got initiation and it said this, uh, it has to be like this, it has to be like that. All these are all like details. Hmm. These are the kind of arguments that were made voiced against Bhakti Santa, but they had no power in his time, in his presence, because of the dynamic practical work that he was doing and the results that he was getting, dynamic people, temples opening, British people becoming Krishna conscious, German people becoming Krishna conscious, Indian, not Bengalis, hmm, or Indian boys decided, well, maybe I'll be a sadhu. That's what I'll do. That's an occupation. But boys and girls that had gone to college, hmm, like Kinjan Krishna Das Babaji, you know him. He was a he was a track star in college. Hmm? Prabhupada was a college student. Uh, Pujapat Sridharmaj was a college student. These people were being touched by the modern world. They were getting the British education and so forth. And Bhakti Siddhanta was getting converts from there. As I said, Bhakti Vinod was the first Western convert in a sense. Hmm? Whereas the rest of the sampradaya was drawing from, from, you know, Bengalis. I mean, they they only had temples. Not a critique, really, but there were only temples in the Dam. There weren't even in, in Madras or Bombay or Delhi. What to speak of New York or London or that was just like the world of Maya and so forth. And that's true, it was. Um, but someone who had the power to go there and innovate, and then to look at the innovations. Like when Bhakti Sanat's first Sarsashtaka first came to Vrindavan with two sannyasi disciples, we mentioned this the other day, he had them in black, like a priest, hmm? like a like a like a Catholic priest. They used to wear black robes, and white collar, tilak, shaved head, and sika. So he thought, I'm going to send these guys to the West, and they're going to represent Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So let's you know kind of like find some common ground, and they stoned them. In Vrindavan, the Vaishnavas stoned them. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. What kind of you know deviations? So this is like, but these are the kind of these are petty like kanishtadikari arguments about uh, uh, details. You don't you don't either. What's the color of your? Is it pink or is it orange or is it yellow? What shade of saffron is it? It's bona fide. It has to be the color of a tongue of a cow, you know, or whatever. You know, I hear. These kind of things. you don't have a you know you don't have a white bead bag. There's something wrong with you. You can't go back to Godhead. You know, I mean it's on a level of that. You know, what is this sannyas 
class. You know, talk to Prabodhananda and the Saraswati. Talk to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Ah, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself said hmm, that in Kali Yuga, hmm, there should, uh, sannyas is forbidden. Hmm? Well, then he took sannyas. What's the context in which that verse is cited in Chaitanya Charitamrita? What's really happening is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is telling the Chand Kazi, who was who was uh, trying to stop the Sankirtan party, that if you, if who who uh, Mahaprabhu said, you know, what kind of religion is this that you're 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 killing your mother because you're eating a cow? Cows are one of your mothers, and the Chand Kazi said, well. In your Vedas, it's also there's also animal sacrifice. And Mahaprabhu said, "Oh, well, according to the Purana, animal sacrifice is forbidden in Kali Yuga." And in that verse, it says the animal sacrifice is forbidden. It says sannyasa is forbidden. So he really wasn't citing it for that purpose. Hmm? And then he took sannyasa, and then there are different kinds of sannyasa, and that can refer to a particular type. And I mean, these are just like very, very sh- um, superficial arguments that, at their time, hmm? May have seemed to have more more power on the part of people who were criticizing, but it, it, it couldn't get in the way of the train of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur's mission. Um, you know, let's look at Hari Bhakti Vilas. How do you do initiation? It has nothing nothing in it that says you have to get a Dikshapatra, hmm, a letter which has a list of the previous gurus and their sarups and. Um, you know, he didn't get one from Gorkashore, so I guess he's not initiated. Uh, so, Hari um, Bhakti Vilas gives, you can do the initiation like this, and if you can't do it like that, you can do it like this. And if you can't do it like that, well, give the mantra. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. So, there are there are customs uh, that have been adopted, and some of them have been, like, uh, I think the the idea of the this giving the list of the previous gurus and so it maybe comes from Dhyan Chandra Goswami in his Padati a handbook for for practicing and so forth and it was you know kind of widely accepted but I mean that it, it, it it's it's not a it's a detail of how to do it you just chant sixteen rounds four rounds sixty four rounds you know three 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 lakhs of rounds I mean these are not what makes um, or 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 breaks your spirituality? There are details and there are principles. So all of the arguments against Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati are details. And um, with regard to the term Siksha Guru Parampara, this is misunderstood even by the members of the Gaudiya of the Bhakti Vinod Paribar. What Bhakti Vinod Thakur what what was dealing with in his time was that in Bengal there were many Vaishnavas who were only nominally Vaishnavas. They had no real Sambandagyan. They were getting initiation, but even their gurus didn't have Sambandagyan to give them. And so he saw their chanting, but but they don't even know that that chanting the name of Durga or Kali is... The, is is not the same as chanting the name of Krishna, but they're born in Vaishnava families, they say they're followers of Mahaprabhu. And so they're not making any progress. So, therefore, Bhakti Vinod Thakur thought, we need siksha. 
more than we need diksha. That kind of diksha. And what did he do? He wrote like a hundred books. Bhaktivinoda. So he wasn't wasting his time. And I'll tell you another thing about Bhaktivinoda Thakur is that I've got a, a, a copy of a written statement by all the Mahants of the time in Bengal uh, officially declaring the, the learnedness and the correctness of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Hmm? So he was like, had support, right? Hmm? A lot of support. Um, and, and, and Bhakti Sarasthi Thakur was his son. He asked him to do a certain thing. He, he did that. Um, he took what was one thing that was very important about Bhakti Thakur was the yoga pit. Hmm? And go ahead and look at it. You, know, you can say that's not the real place of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because some people still argue and it's the old place that Bhakti argued against. But Bhakti did academic research. That research is available. You can look at it. It's very, it's very compelling. And he added to his academic research as to where the birthplace would be. Um, um, discussions with local people who live there that where he had the vision and I'll put this all together. It's, it's pretty well um, reasoned and spiritually um, you know, su- supportable and it was very important to Bhaktivinoda Thakur and he gave the charge of it to Bhakti Siddhanta to finish it, to build the temple, to to do that kind of work. So to think that Bhakti Siddhanta was not uh, pleased with Bhakti Vinod, Bhakti Vinod wasn't pleased with Bhakti Siddhanta. You know, he gave him Harinam hmm? and the Shringa Mantra and so forth. And he told him to take initiation from Gokeshwar Das Babaji Maharaj. Hmm? Um, now you want to say, well, where you know, where is the Dikshapatra from? You know, uh, Gokeshwar Das Babaji. Where did he, How do we know he got initiation? You know, he said he did. Why should we doubt? What what gives us reason to doubt it? Because he didn't produce some letter for you? Even if he had the letter, he's supposed to produce it to you? Other people claim to be disciples of Gorkashwar. You know, there are some other people who claim to be disciples. Ask them for their letter. They don't have one. Because Gorkashwar couldn't read or write. (laughs) So maybe, you know, he... There's a reason he's going to give out a letter. I mean, this, this is the kind of thing. I mean, uh, so um, he had connection with Gorkashardas Babaji that, um, that with, without which he was prepared to commit suicide. And the Babaji said, no, let's bring, send him over here. Right? He tried to get initiated a few times. And Keshav Maharaj, who was a disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta Sosya he, he he met, I think, Gorka Shordas Babaji, right? Hmm? He met Babaji Maharaj and um, he had locked himself up in a bathroom or something like that and was chanting, Gore, 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 like for like 24 hours. People were worried about him and they couldn't get him out. Hmm? And, and But when Keshav Maharaj, who was a disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta, went there, identified himself as such, he was, he was stopped and he was, oh, you're with him, okay. What do you want? Come out, come out, take some prasadam or something like that. So those story, those histories are there as well. So there, there, there's, um, there, there's plenty of little historical anecdotes 
could we could cite to establish that Pakistan Sarsitagar had a substantial and diksha connection with blessing of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsita or Gorkashar Das Babaji Maharaj. Gorkashar Das Babaji Maharaj used to come to the classes, Bhagavatam classes of Bhakti Vinod. And Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitakur was, was there in those classes too. Bhakti Gorkashar Das Babaji predicted that um, what did he predict? Yeah, he predicted that that, that, that there would be take sannyas and maybe be a sannyasi and go to the west I forget and that was uh, the first uh, person that was sent by Bhakti Bhakti Pradeep Tirtha so um, I get the details but it's, it's compelling evidence um, and uh, and for that matter uh, when Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur started initiating disciples well, Bhakti Vinod and Gorgashortas Babaji were still here. They didn't object. Now, if they didn't object, who are you to object? Right? And, um, and at that time, the younger brother, one of the younger brothers of Bhakti Siddhanta, Lalit Prashad Thakur, was working with Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who was initiating his disciples, and he was assisting him and helping him. So apparently he didn't have a problem with it. That, that his problem wasn't that Bhakti Siddhanta wasn't initiated or something like that. So, um, but then they had a disagreement. Hmm? Bhakti Siddhanta was bent on a wide circulation uh, of Krishna consciousness and opening temples and the this was the I think the youngest son of Gorkhastrodas of Bhakti Vinod and knew Bhakti Vinod more in his later years of bhajan life and, and so forth. So he was more influenced by that. And he felt that was more in, in line with the Ragmarg and he didn't really appreciate or understand or relate to the innovative steps that Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitaka was taking for wide dissemination. So they had a split. Hmm. And Bhakti Siddhanta opened 64 monasteries and sent emissaries to the West, and, you know, here we all are. And Lipa Shatakura, you know, had had a, a, some property of Bhakti Vinod where he stayed. And, and from there he he, uh, he he reinitiated three disciples of Prabhupada <laughs> after Prabhupada. Uh, left who had, who had gone to him um, you know we don't want to criticize Lut Prashad uh, but he was critical of Bhakti Siddhanta hmm. in fact um, some some of us some of our my god brothers used to used to go to hear from Lut Prashad with proper permission hmm. but then Lut Prashad began to criticize Bhakti Siddhanta and then they told Prabhupada well, he's criticizing Bhakti Siddhanta then we don't go there then hmm. That's all. That was Prabhupada's policy. Then we don't go there. There was a point in time where Lady Prashad was uh, entertaining the possibility of giving the property that he had the charge of, uh, that belonged to Bhakti Vinod, to, to Prabhupada and to Iskand. Prabhupada had meetings with him, and but the meeting broke down. So 
Lee Prashad didn't, didn't seem to be all in a huff that this is totally unbonafide and you can't have any connection with Chaitanya Sampradaya or if you're connected to, to this line of Bhakti Siddhanta and ISKCON and so forth. So who are these people, you know, who now have pieced together here and there some argument a century later that they think was made or was said and that they think had value has value and if you look at the arguments again they're all like these detailed arguments that really miss the the, uh, the substance um, and um, and and so at, at any rate at the time of Bhakti Thakur, he thought the necessity for siksha was important so he emphasized this siksha it doesn't mean that he de-emphasized diksha there was no need for diksha but if your diksha is not supported by siksha, it's like having a seed without any water, so it's not going to bear fruit. So given that condition, and who were so many prominent diksha gurus, particularly in the Nityananda Paribar, it was it was repulsive to Bhaktivinoda what they were doing, some of these people, hmm? um, in the name of, of, of diksha and so forth. And what was the result? And it was it was embarrassing to the, to the, to the line of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So... You know, he wrote books and he um, and made this emphasis on the need for siksha. And and this is a standard thing, for that matter, in Gaudiya Sampradaya. Because long, long before that, we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita this idea of a siksha guru. Siksha guru. This idea is, in th- this is totally a Gaudiya word, totally a Gaudiya idea. Somebody was tried to argue with me, a member of our own Paribar from India, uh, that you, only if you're born in a Brahmin family can be a guru, be a Diksha guru. Hmm. So I gave plenty of arguments back, and 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 uh, one of the ones is I quoted a verse from the Padma Purana that says, if you have all the Brahminical qualities, but you're not a Vaishnava, you can't be a guru. But if you're born as a, in a dog-eater's family, but you have the Vaishnava qualities, then you can be a guru. Hmm? So he said, well, that means Siksha guru, not Diksha guru. So I told him, I said, if you can find any reference in the Padma Purana to the Siksha guru, let me know. And then when you're at it, check out the Bhagavad Gita, the Upanishads, and every other single Purana, and every other single book outside of Chaitanya Charitamrita or Bhakti Sandarbha. Hmm? You're not going to find the Siksha Guru. Hmm. That doesn't mean that the that there isn't the Guru is doesn't give instruction, but when the Padma Prana says Guru, it means Guru. <laughs> it doesn't mean a Siksha Guru, as the Gaudis talk about. And you to make that argument hmm, even if you if you even if you well just to make that argument is to say that there's something deficient spiritually in the Siksha Guru that makes him or her unable to give initiation. Hmm? They're spiritually unqualified. They can give siksha, but they can't give diksha. But the very explanation of the siksha guru and the diksha guru in Chaitanya Charitamrita is that they're equal manifestations of the of the absolute. They differ only in their functions. In other words, this this I could be a um, I could be a siksha guru for somebody. And I could be a Diksha Guru for somebody else. Right? 
So um, uh, the function is different. You may have diksha from someone else, but I may become your siksha guru. You may not have diksha, and I may become your diksha guru and, and your siksha guru. The function is different. If you already have a guru, then and, and then there's no necessity for me to impart the mantra to you. And I can be, uh, if you like, a siksha guru. That's, there's a difference in function. It's not a difference in spiritual standing, power, realization, and so forth. So that's the first thing that you're doing wrong. You're making a distinction between the two that's contradictory to Chaitanya Charitamrita, where the very idea of the siksha guru comes. Really, it's Bhakti Sandarva, and then and then uh, Krishna Kaviraj, faithful to the Goswamis, who uses it. And other than that, the term is not used anywhere. So it's just a ridiculous uh, argument. Um, I mean, I've heard that from before. I mean, the, what's his name from Radharaman? Shibats Goswami. Only, only, only if, if you're uh, yeah, uh, household. You have to be householder to be a guru. Hmm. I said, Mahaprabhu said, whatever your situation, if you know Krishna Tattva, then you're, you're my guru. He said, that means Siksha Guru. It's not a good argument. That's your goofy interpretation. That doesn't, it's not supportable, really. Um, so, so you need both. But when when Bhakti, you know, Thak was emphasizing Siksha, over diksha, it was in relation to the quality of the diksha. What has been, and this is something that has been embedded in Gaudiya Vaishnavism very early on, hundreds of years ago, that being what? That there were gurus from Brahmin families. Now, typically the Brahmins would be gurus because they're the, they're the gurus of the, within Varnashram and they have a certain temperament and so forth. Tend to be learned and and so on. So, so within Gaudiya Vaishnavism, you know, but there are many examples. I mean, Narutam Thakur was a Chetriya and so forth, and Gorkishore was a Vaishya, and Gorkishore was Babaji Maharaj. Anyway, so um, there, there, were, there was a um, a period in Gaudiya Vaishnavism where. For example, Jiva Goswami was the Siksha Guru of all the Gaudi and Orissa Vaishnavas. Same, you know, ones from Bengal, Vrindavan, and Orissa. And then there were many initiating gurus as well. And sometimes those initiating gurus, even the ones from Brahmin families, born in India, born in the Dham, proved to be less than exemplary in their example or lacking in some respects in their capacity to, to, to teach because of their lack of um, being well-schooled or well-enough-schooled themselves. And so what Gaudiya Vaishnavism did was to um, add this Siksha Guru uh, kind of idea in an overt way by way of saying that if that's the case, then... And then then you can add into your spiritual life a siksha guru, and then we still respect the guru. Maybe we have to keep some distance, but we keep some. So they respect the institution of diksha hmm, and take siksha 
and it's possible to six your guru then be, become more prominent of a guru in your in your life uh, and uh, that, uh, that possibility is there um, so what uh, that said the the term six guru parampara refers with regard to our parivar refers to the fact that Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, when he gave the lineage, what is your lineage? He said, my lineage is this lineage. My lineage is, is Bhakti Vinod. My lineage is Gorkashordas Babaji. My lineage is Baladeva Jibhushan. It's Vishvanachakvati Thakur. It's Narutam Thakur. It's Jiva Goswami. It's, a, it's a, in other words, my line is my pranali line means pranali means line my pranali is a siddha pranali that's what it is that's what he said hmm? you say you've got a siddha pranali but i'm not sure all those people in that line are siddhas hmm? you want to argue like that i say my line is like this you want to question my line I say this is my line hmm? we connect the dots like this and and they're not all initiated Baladev is not initiated by Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur. Mm-hmm. You understand? Um, Narutam is not initiated by Jiva Goswami, Rupa Goswami, Lokanath Goswami. So not all the names can be there. Srila Maharaj gave an example of what he was doing. He was basically saying, uh, if you look across history and you're going to name the prominent scientists, you're going to name, well, you know, there was Newton, there was Einstein, there was Hawking, you know, this one, that one, you know. There's many bona fide scientists who are contributing significantly in their own fields and so forth, but they're not like, you know, Newton, you know, or Einstein. So he said, you know, this, we're making an essential, say, this is our line, it's the Gaudiya line, and we're connected through it, through diction, through siksha, and in some cases the siksha will be more prominent of the connection than the diksha connection based on um realization of the of the of the different gurus and so forth so you know to, to make more out of that than than and than, than that is is kind of uh uh the problem and you know yeah he was a little uh, unorthodox in some ways so was Korkishore das babaji marsh if you want to complain at at you know why Bhakti Siddhanta didn't get initiation in a standard way, which was conventionally, you know, standard at the time. Com- complain to Gorkhasharas Babaji. Hmm? If you want to go back now and you want to cite some criticism of you that, that somebody said that somebody said that somebody said, Lee Thakur, uh, Lee Prashad said, hmm? criticizing his brother. You, you, you just you can just go to hell. You know that's what that's where that is going to take you. That's what that's it's 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 it's, it's such an in, in, unsubstantial type of unsubstantiated criticism. Prabhupada's perspective was even their brothers they'll criticize one another. I don't want to get involved in that. Hmm? We respect the lead Prashad Thakur, but if you criticize Bhaktisiddhanta, then you know to my disciples, then we won't go there. Hmm? That's a spiritual way of dealing with it. Hmm. So, you know, if if someone 
was in our party bar, got their faith from our party bar, and they can't figure out that that has value. And then they go somewhere else, and that group is, they, they just made some Bengali family, you know, Goswami into a Siddha Mahatma because their lack of their own knowledge and understanding of the teaching and experience of advanced devotees. Uh, and then that person, it goes to his head and he turns around and criticizes uh, our our paribar. The, the, and, and then, you know, 50 to, to 80 to 90 percent of your rag bhakti is criticizing the bhakti vinod paribar. You know, you can take that rag bhakti and, you know, keep it. <laughs> that's, that's not very... Uh, so... If if you if 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 our line for whatever reason is is one that you are connected with and and you don't find it to be nourishing and go somewhere else then go somewhere else and be nourished and if you're nourished it's not going to show up in this campaign against the line that you are in and saving people from it and bringing them to your guru because he's going to be this actual savior and they got it all wrong and you know this is very very foolish. Especially now, because you know this this flight from our pari bar to other pari bars has a history, and it started all after Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur left, and after um, Ananta 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 Das Ananta Ananta who became Puri Maharaj. Um, fell from a moral point of view from a standard that he should have adhered to as a guru and 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 then um, had some critiques he had some critiques then that he voiced and wrote about of Bhakti Siddhanta's mission but he never ever mentioned Bhakti Siddhanta's name never criticized him by name but he disagreed with some policies but you know he was kind of rationalizing his own situation to some extent um, so whatever you know um, um, uh, that's the beginning of it and then it, it really didn't have it really didn't go too far and then in Prabhupada's time it had nowhere to go but then a couple of this one disciple of Prabhupada or two who had more time on their hands and they knew what to do with they heard from somebody in Vrindavan did you know you don't have a bona fide guru parampara. It's not an unbroken chain of disciplic succession. And Prabhupada used to tell us you have to be in an unbroken chain of this. And then they started giving these arguments. They'd never heard these arguments. They weren't very well schooled. They took these arguments, hearsay, histories, and so forth. And they're, they're, these people broke 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 their faith like of Nitaidas was 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 a was um, part of Prabhupada's um, publishing team, hmm. and so Nitai uh, went to Radhakund and got connected to Tinkoridas Babaji, and and uh, I guess he thought he was going to enter into. Um, the Nityalila, now that he got the bona fide connections, that he ended up going to going to school and uh, and uh, uh, he wrote an article that Prabhupada said that 
um, he said that he wanted to become a scholar, and perhaps at first become a Vaishnava, you know, devotee, then become scholar. And and he said, but I thought, why not do both at the same time? Well, I can. Now you know. Hmm. Because he, he became a scholar and he, he gave up bhakti. Hmm. Hmm. He's not a devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. Hmm. So, what to speak of entering in the Nityalila and the Radhakund and so forth. So, um, you know, and then a couple other, you know, Jagadananda, this, uh, what's his name? Gadadar Pran and what's the other one? I forget his name. And they went to lead Prashad. But this is after Prabhupada left. And, you know, and then, yeah, talked to Jagadananda, you know, he, he got back involved with my help. That's the whole story, how he got back involved in Gaudiya Vaishnavism in recent years. And uh, he looks. At, he told me personally that if I had heard Sridhar argument about the Sikshya Guru Parampara the way he presented at the time, I wouldn't have left. I would have, oh, that makes sense. So, yeah, the, 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 nobody, nobody who's left has um, demonstrated a level of realization that, in my opinion, it would, is purported to be what you're going to get because now you're in a bona fide line. Hmm. You know, so, but if they want to go, I mean, that, that's, people should follow their faith. Hmm. But, uh, um, there's, 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 if, if, if your faith is criticizing, you know, the Bhaktivedanta Sami, that's Bhaktivedanta Marg is the, is the road into Vrindavan from Delhi, so it's not a good idea to criticize him. Anyway, some thoughts about that. All the arguments, I say, they're all just very Kanishta type of arguments. There are some liberties that Bhakti you know, took with the philosophy, a little bit like with the Nadi Karma or inherent Bhakti and sometimes, but we heard the Paramparambara, his Parampara, his Prabhupada is pointing that out and giving some rational explanation as to why he took those liberties. And so we're fine. Bhakti Vinod Paribar Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai, Anantakoti Vaishnavrinda Ki Jai, Daji Gopal Ki Jai, Gaur Premanam Vanchakalpaturubhyascha kipasindhubhyavachapatitanam pavnibhyavishnabhimanamunamaha Adibo